Where's a good station? Glory. Glory. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again, relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm here with longtime friend, Grace Guard Dog Steve. Hello, everybody. Glad to be here. Thanks for listening to us. It's a blessing. Thank you. Let's see, Steve. Last week, we hate to just jump right into it. That's okay. Let's just get in there and tear it up. That's how I like it. All right. I was going to pause for a moment and say uh, I think we're coming up on one year of podcasts be like oh, our one well, year anniversary. that's true that's true we should do something special something to commemorate the i think we should do a, a one-year anniversary special podcast Ooh, that would be a treat for me i mean i would feel special if i if i could do because that's all i ever want to do is let it out let and all these that, thoughts out in addition to the regular podcast schedule yeah which yeah. is every Thursday. Yeah. Let's hope we can take enough time off of work to do it because time to do this podcast, it's just like we squeeze it in so much, man. Just just barely make the time for this because we can't put down our plow and do a, a ministry full-time, which is what we'd like to do. Gee, can you imagine how many podcasts a day we could put out if we were not working all day it's gets tough to get two people together at the same time and we've had to sneak a few of them in on at midnight mid, yeah after a long day after come a over long. at 11 and turn on lights and yeah podcasts. but glad to do it though it, oh it's awesome it's what we long to do is it's a joy to do them Mm-hmm. It's a joy to do the podcast. I hope it's half as fun listening to it as it is for us to actually do it and get these spiritual thoughts off of our chest. I hope so, too. I have no way of knowing unless we get feedback. Yeah. And, and we appreciate the feedback, even critical. It's, yes. It's fine. And we've just touched the tip of the iceberg. There is so much in me that wants to come out. I, I can't wait to let some of these revelations that I've seen over the years come out. We've uncovered a few pretty cool ones, I believe. Just getting started, though. Oh, we are so just getting started. And so last week, Steve, we did a lot in James about the 
what is the doer of the word? Yes, that was the... And compared it to Paul in his Romans 7? Yes. Doing in the word? Right. That sure oh. proved that the doer is not somebody who tries to do it in his own strength. Should I just do a review? Yeah, that, actually that would be okay. the best way La- to go. Last week we went over this idea that Jesus was talking about in the Beatitudes in Matthew 7 about be a doer of the word and not a listener of the word. And Jesus went on to tell what a doer of the word is like, but James actually defined the doer of the word because that's what we all want to be, is a doer of the word. Jesus gave a broad brush description. James became real specific. And James said, a doer of the word is like a man who looked at his natural face in the mirror or literally the face of his birth in the mirror. That means your human self, nothing to do with your divine nature, but he looks at his human self in the mirror. And when he goes away, he immediately forgets what kind of person we are, humanly speaking. We are triers of the word, but we are not doers. We fall short of coming doers because we've got, as Romans 7 tells us, we've got this sin in us battling against our good intentions, and it always makes us a prisoner, and we embarrass ourselves over and over and over. It's all because we don't understand what a doer of the word is, and we don't understand that the forgetful hearer is the person who looks at himself in the mirror and says, I'm not able to achieve the Christian life in an exemplary way. I can't do it. I'm not a doer. I have to say like, Paul, who will rescue me from this inability to be a Christian, a model Christian, and say thanks be to God who through his spirit works working in me fulfills all the righteous requirements of the law if I'm not using my human determination but using the spirit that is in me to do for me what I can't do for myself and in this case it's to be a doer the spirit does it for me the spirit in me is the doer and my human effort is not the doer that's what the man who looks intently at the face of his birth in the mirror has to register and not forget because then you're rebuilding what you once destroyed you're rebuilding that ten commandment mentality again whereby you try as hard as you can to obey the commandments and fall short 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 but if we remember that's the kind of person we are, weakened by the flesh, can't do what the law asks because the weakness of our flesh, then we can let the doer do his thing through us. And the doer lives that Christian life and we come out smelling like a rose. We are pretty attractive 
when we're letting Christ do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And that was the crux to the, the, the podcast last week is he is the doer. Yeah, it was. And a couple of things, you, you mentioned the Ten Commandment mentality, which we're going to see today. Mm-hmm. Well, ba- basically, last podcast, we were comparing the rich young ruler, the Roman seven. That's right. Passages. We ended up talking about and the We kind of ran out of time to explain it. But there's some amazing similarities between the rich young ruler and the apostle Paul, not suggesting that. They're the same guy. You could, maybe, but we're not. The rich young ruler, we went over it. He he asked Jesus what good things must he do. And he got a list of commandments. Yeah. Right? He got, yes, he did. Six of them. Was it six? I believe I so. Kind of most all of them. And he asked Jesus... After Jesus said, you know these commandments, and he listed the six. Do you have them in front of you, Steve? The six commandments he did? Yes. Do you want me to read them? Could you? Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. But honor your father and mother. Okay. And and he said, all these I have done. Since he was a child. He was a doer of those. So he thought. So so he thought. Then he asked, what still do I lack, was his question. It's a little different in the the two passages. There was the Luke 18, 18 passage and the Mark 10, 17 passage. The reason he asked Jesus, he didn't quite feel satisfied, even though Jesus said, you know these commandments. In a way, he kind of had his out, didn't he? He could have been gonna, happy with that. But there was something in him, something in him telling him, I lack something. There's something I'm not doing. And Jesus gives this answer, and I want you to, audience, to check out how similar the answer is to what Paul's struggle is. Okay. So the audience is going to compare... The rich young ruler's struggle with Paul's struggle. Yes, we find it here. So most likely you're going to Paul's struggle in Romans 7. Let's start there. Okay, but before we go to Romans 7, let's just review this rich young ruler. Now this rich young ruler, we don't know a lot about him. We know he's young and rich and he's ruler. But since he's asking Ten Commandment type questions about the kingdom of God. Got to be Jewish. Since he's a ruler, he's probably in charge of a synagogue. Might be a Pharisee. Yeah. His mind is definitely on the commandments. He's definitely commandment-minded. Because Jesus knows exactly how to talk to him when he says, what good things must I do? So Jesus says in verse Luke 18, 20, You know the commandments. So he knows the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. The man replied, I don't know if he stopped Jesus and interrupted him, but he he replied, I have whole 
wholeheartedly, with my whole heart, I've obeyed all these laws since my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack, sell all that you have and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was extremely wealthy. Let's go to Romans 7. All right. So if I'm tracking right, it would be fair to say that he coveted all his possessions too much to give them away. That's exactly what he was lacking. He had no ability to not covet. Right. It says he walked away sad because he knew he had a lot of money and he knew he could not just give that up. He desired Okay, so Paul in Romans 7, he says, he's talking about the commandments. (laughs) Yeah. He says, what shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Is it bad? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. Notice any similarities, guard dog Steve? Yeah, the same thing the rich young ruler was. He didn't want to get off of his gold, his silver and gold. Both of them have one commandment they don't seem to be able to to do or to keep. Coveting in the Hebrew Bible, the Ten Commandments, is used a lot of different ways. It's to desire, to long for. It's it's used in good ways and bad ways. In the commandments, it's you, you shall not cover your your neighbor's wife, his treasures, his money, his servants, his livestock, jaguars, mm-hmm. all those things. You, you shall not desire them. And it's the one commandment, Steve, that it's the common denominator commandment that no man can overcome. When Jesus said how hard it is for, speaking of the rich young ruler, how hard it is for the a rich man to be saved, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to be saved. I know I said that wrong. But it's okay. Meaning it's really mm-hmm. hard for a rich really man hard. to be delivered from this. Exactly. And the disciples said, who then can be saved? Jesus said, with men it's impossible, but with God all things are impossible. So they could be rescued. They could be rescued, but who can overcome coveting? They can't do that. It's impossible. They can get rescued, but they can't do the no coveting. Right. You cannot not have desires Lust. Lust. You cannot control that. No, those are all in the heart that you're, even if you're not acting on them, Jesus says you're thinking about them in your mind, and that's the point where you can't get victory. Yeah, correct. So Jesus said, even if you think it, you're just as guilty as doing it. Yes. So apparently Paul and this rich young ruler were able to not literally steal, not literally commit adultery, not 
literally murder someone. All the outward things they were able of to the do. Commandments. Yeah. The visible stuff they could do. They could do it. They couldn't do it. The heart stuff that you're not supposed to do in your heart. Lust in your heart. That's why, Steve, it's so fruitless and so sad that we, as ways of coming up with don't steal, don't commit adultery, and we all know the big one, mm-hmm. don't, don't commit adultery. Right. We go at it with get an accountability partner, keep yourself accountable. I've heard that term a lot. Does that, does an accountability partner keep you from coveting? Not in any way, shape, or form. Could he keep you from maybe actually committing adultery, the physical act? He Probably. could possibly do that. But what good is that if you still have the desire? It still counts for nothing. How do you rescue yourself from that? He says, with men? It's impossible. But, but with God? Romans 7 will give us the answer to that question. So let's go. Mm-hmm. I like Romans 7. It's a beautiful passage of scriptures. So I left off on you shall not covet. Yes. But sin seizing opportunity afforded by the commandment produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin is dead. So this guy was living pretty good when Jesus said, he said, what must I do? Give me some commandments. Lay them on me. All these I've kept. Mm-hmm. He's doing good. Proud of himself. He says, Jesus said, you lack one thing, coveting. You haven't overcome this. Doesn't that sound like the commandment came and the guy died? Yes. He felt dejected. He, he felt ashamed. And he walked away. Mm-hmm. Now let's just say this. The thought that you died in many places in the Bible equals the thought that you're ashamed. Yeah. In other words, being ashamed is a type of death in the Bible, especially when you get to New Covenant. It becomes clearer and clearer that shame is a form of death. There's a few forms of death, but shame is one of them. Definitely, and it was definitely the one in the garden. Yes. You shall not eat from the tree. Right. The knowledge of good and evil, and that day you will surely be ashamed. They sure were ashamed, but they didn't die. Physically, no, they no. didn't. But mm-hmm. they died in the yeah. realm of yeah. shame. So, verse 9 again. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang the light, and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. Verse 11, for sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death, so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. Verse 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, 
sold as a slave to sin. There's a big clue there. Get back to it. I do not understand what I do in verse 15. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, no longer I myself do it, who do it. But is sin living in me? Making a good case that Paul's not a doer. <laughs> he's not a doer, that's for sure. In his flesh, he In says. his human capabilities. Verse 18, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. Isn't that what the rich young ruler, Jesus told the rich young ruler, why do you call me good? Yeah, that's exactly Good what, only dwells in God. Good only dwells in God. Only the spirit is good. The humans are not. The human nature is not. Although it valiantly tries to do good. So I'm going to skip down to 21. Okay. So I find this law, this principle at work in, although I want to... Do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I saw, see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of sin. That law is at work in me. So he says, I see this law of I can't stop coveting at work in me. It's a principle. I can't turn it off. Just like the law of gravity. And what activates it is saying, do not covet. What activates the the, the bad, yeah, law of dynamics is, is to say, do not covet. Yes. Then he says, what a wretched, miserable man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Alleluia. There's our answer. Thanks be to God. Didn't Jesus say the same thing when the disciples said who could be rescued? Yeah, because they were thinking, gosh, it's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for somebody to be saved. Well, then how can humans be saved? And Jesus said, humans can't save themselves, but God can. With God, it's possible. With God, it's possible. Thanks be to God. That's why Paul says, thanks be to God. Well, there's two different words there, Steve, for who can rescue me, who will rescue me, is the word ruamai. And it means to rush or to draw for oneself or to rescue and the word that was used when the disciples asked Jesus who then can be saved is the word sozo. 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 Oh, that's a common word. Yeah, that's used a lot. Salvistically speaking. <laughs> <laughs> so with these two words, we can go back to the Old Testament and we can use the Greek Septuagint and there's some pretty cool stories that have to do with these two words. So remember, Ruhamai was Ruhamai. what Paul said. Okay. He said, who will rescue me from this body of death? And when the disciples asked Jesus, who then can be saved, it was Sosa. So we can go to one passage that 
the Greek Septuagint that both words are found. Oh, so cool. I don't have a particular order, so we'll just go to the order we find However ourselves in. the Spirit in. rolls. Okay. Isaiah 59, starting in verse 1. Behold, the hand of the Lord is not too short that it cannot save. Which word is that, Bill, that word save? Okay, that word save in a Greek Septuagint would be Strong's 4982 Sozo. Sozo, okay. And then we had another word, remember, that Paul used, who will deliver me from this body. So just to remind us, the disciples asked Jesus who can be saved. Yes. And that was the word Sozo. Yes. They used the word Sozo. Yes. And you just read Isaiah 59.1. The Lord's hand is not too short to save. It's the same word, Sosa. So isn't it saying the same thing? Yes, it is. It's His hand is not too short to save. With God, it's, it's possible to, to save. save. Yeah, same thought. Right. Okay, and then our other word was what Paul used in Romans seven twenty eight. I think it was, who will rescue me? So if you want to read the 59, 20. Isaiah 59, 20. And a redeemer will come from Zion. And to those who turn from transgressions in Jacob, declares the Lord. It said redeemer, right? Yes. In the Greek Septuagint, it is the word ruhoma. Ruhoma, okay. Strong's G4506. It means to rescue or draw. And it was the exact phrase Paul used, ruhoma, in Romans 7, 24. Who will rescue me from this body of death? So we have both words in the same Isaiah 59. He's not... He is able to save, and then when we get down to the end, he says he will save. He will rescue. Will rescue. Right. No, no matter what form of the word is, he can do it. That's the salient point. Yeah. I'm studying power words. Yes. That's the big word. He is able. Now, this is interesting, Steve, and then we got some more to cover, but I'll just throw that out there. The word for save in the Hebrew is Yah, which is I am, Mm -hmm. Shua, which is to save. Right. Jesus' name. I am your Savior. Yes. Who will will rescue me? Doesn't it say thanks be to God through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, when Jesus said, you diligently search the scriptures, but I tell you, they speak of me. <laughs> Boy, do they speak of him. The, the actual word save is, is his name, Savior. And he wasn't able to see it. Just in Isaiah 59, two, I always heard it from, God has turned away from you. He's not. He's put his hands over his ears. I don't hear you. I'm not listening to you. You're not going to see me. But the not seeing and the not hearing is on our end. We're not seeing him as Savior. We're not hearing him. It's, it's us. It's our sin has caused us. It's believing this lie, which is the sin, 
has caused us not to see our rescuer. It's caused us to feel who will rescue me from this body of death. Why would you, someone say who will rescue me from this body of death if they saw their Savior? Mm-mm. They wouldn't. Uh, no, they wouldn't. They would Mm-mm. not say it if they saw their Savior. But he's blind to them. That's what you just read. You search the scriptures because you think you find it in them the way to save yourself the way to get eternal life which is what the rich young ruler wanted you yep. said you think the way to get this life is in there and every time the answer is the same no it's in jesus it's in jesus mm-hmm. but you don't come to me mm-hmm. you you go back to the scriptures and you look for yeah. the commandments e- even Just, even though back in isaiah where they were saying you know will, will you save us Jesus is saying, yes, I will Jesus you. Literally saying, I will Yeshua you, yes. which is his name. Right. His Hebrew name. I will Jesus you. Mm-hmm. But they didn't see it. They were blind. Their no. hearts were blinded. Right. Their eyes were blinded. That's why Paul prays these prayers for your heart to be enlightened. Exactly. For your darkened heart to be enlightened. Right. For your blind eyes to be opened. For your deaf ears to to hear. You covered that last time. Who he who has ears to hear didn't mean no one had ears, ears out there. It, right. They just did not hear. Okay, let's go to an another one. Okay. Let's go to one that has the Greek word ruhama again. Okay, we'll do that. Exodus fourteen. I should go to Exodus fourteen. Maybe you can just recap what's going on. Yeah, what verse do you want me to key in on? Verse 30, Exodus 14.30. Okay, chapter 14, the Israelites had been chased all the way down to the Jordan River, and they were stuck. The army had them pinned in, ready to slaughter them. There was no way out, but God told Moses to lift his rod towards the water, and the water split in two with two big walls of water on each side. It was a wall of water on their right and a wall of water on their left, and the Lord saved Israel on that day from the power of the Egyptians. So verse 30, the Lord saved. Yes. And it's the same word that Paul uses in Romans 7. Mm. who will rescue me mm-hmm. from this body of death. Okay. He says it here. So the Lord rescued Israel from its enemy. Didn't Paul say the sin was making me captive, making me a slave to sin? Israel was rescued from slavery to Egypt, a picture of the world. Right. Isn't it the, you see the picture there? Yeah. Could the Egypt, uh, I'm sorry, could Israel cry out, who will rescue me from this body of death? That's what they should have done. It's kind of what they did do. <laughs> yeah. And he did. And he did. Paul asked, who will rescue me? And he, God did. In other words, Israel saw no way out of this. They needed God. Only God could rescue them. 
and only God can rescue us. And any day of the week, we can just say, Lord, I'm acting like an animal today. Will you rescue me from myself? Because that's a huge part of being rescued or saved is to be saved from yourself, your own human limited capabilities. You get saved from that to the unlimited capabilities of the spirit to live a wonderful Christian life. That's why you we find out, just to review, the rich young ruler found out the same thing Paul found out, that he could not rescue himself from coveting. He could not stop coveting. He could not stop the desire, the sinful passions, which turns out the law stimulated those those passions by saying, don't do that. Don't as do soon that. as Jesus don't. said, here's another command, the rich young ruler became ashamed. You see, and there's a big, big difference, guard dog Steve, in let's say me not stealing mm-hmm. or me not committing adultery mm-hmm. or me not keeping any of the commandments. Mm-hmm. Okay. I could probably do that. I, most of my life I was afraid to steal because my parents instilled that into me. But really the main reason I was afraid to steal because if I got caught, ooh, it was bad news. Mm-hmm. That fear of punishment was the only thing the law had to control people a fear of retribution yes but it cannot fear cannot stop the desire that's why jesus had to go long in the sermon on the mount unless your righteousness exceeds that of the pharisees and remember righteousness was keeping the covenant Unless your ability to keep the covenant exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will in no way enter the kingdom of God. So he's saying, if your ability to keep the commandment has to exceed that of the Pharisees. Paul was a Pharisee. The rich young ruler was probably a Pharisee. Could have been. Could have been, yeah. Mm -hmm. Our righteousness has to exceed... If it's ours, mm-hmm. if it's ours, mm-hmm. has to exceed, has to go beyond. We have to be able to control our desires. Right. That was the thing the rich young ruler found out he could not. And it was the very thing Paul found out he could not. And it's the very thing every Christian needs to come to terms with that you cannot overcome those desires it takes the spirit to do it well said it's not enough to i know we hammer these things all the time but i'm going to keep hammering them it's not enough to have a fear of displeasing god it's not enough to have a fear of god will get me for that it's not enough to have a fear of my accountability partner is going to shame me in front of everyone if i do it that might control the activity but it does nothing against that desire to do it the daydreaming all day about it right now how do i get rescued from that guard dog steve because that's a problem 
just like Paul said, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Are you saying that the Spirit can actually give us different desires? It says, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Doesn't say try hard. Nope. That's an indicative statement. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. By the Spirit. By the Spirit. That, isn't that that word dia? Yes. Which can also mean through. Through or by means of. By means of, yes. If by means of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. That's what Paul was trying to do when he said, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me or rescue me from this body of death? He was on the right, pointed in the right way because he was asking Jesus to rescue him. And that is what we in the 21st century need to say. That's what it was telling us in those old covenant types and shadows we just looked at. How Jesus always has been the only thing that can rescue you. It can rescue you from the Egyptians. It can rescue you from bank foreclosure and stuff, but it can rescue, and this is most important, it can rescue you from sin. The behavior that you don't like to see yourself do, only the Spirit can put to death that behavior. Only the Spirit can rescue you from that embarrassing act that you always seem to do and have tried so hard in your human determination to stop doing all to no avail. It's the spirit that can do it for you. And I'm just asking, I'm pleading, give the spirit a try. Stop with your own human determination and just give that spirit a try and see if you don't blossom. Slowly but surely, it could be immediately, but you'll just gradually become the person that you have always wanted to be. The person that walks and talks like Jesus. Awesome. And it's just so cool to see when you take these Greek words and you go to a Septuagint, these same thoughts. And it's one we quote all the time. When the enemy comes in like a flood... Like a flood is the word Ruhamah. He lifts up a standard. That standard is the Son of God, the Spirit. When the enemy comes in, this is how it really should read. When the enemy comes in like a flood, it rescues us. The Spirit comes in like, that's what I'm trying to say. The Spirit comes in like a flood and just washes us away and destroys the enemy. And it was the same word that when Israel was trapped against the Red Sea in a hard place, like a flood, God opened up the Red Sea, but like a flood, he, he caused literally, con- literally, literally. It, see, that's why we go to these pictures in the Old Testament. The enemy was destroyed. Yes, and, but the, the worldly the, desires were put away. The slavery to, the slavery to sin. It's, Egypt is a picture of slavery. They were slaves. Remember they said, we've never been slaves to anyone, the Pharisees told Jesus, not remembering their history because they were slaves to Egypt. And Jesus says, anyone that 
commits a single sin is a what? Slave to sin. Who will rescue you from this slavery? You can't rescue yourself. You can't. But he does, like a flood. He comes in and sweeps it away. It's all by the Spirit. And I just wholeheartedly agree with Guard Dog Steve. Give the Spirit a chance. See if it doesn't rescue you. See if it doesn't do for you what you cannot do for yourself. If this rich young ruler who kept all the commandments and the Apostle Paul who in Philippians 3 says, I've kept all the commandments, both had the same problem. They could not lick this covenant. They could not overcome this desire that was in them called the sin guide. If they couldn't overcome it, we're not going to either. These were the best of the best as, as far as human effort. Even John the Baptist was, Jesus said, for those born among men, no one was better. He had the best human nature possible. But the least, the least person that relies on the Spirit is in better shape than the best person that gritted his teeth and depended on human effort. The least. so important to know. The least. The least. Is better than the best. Better than the best person ever put on the planet. He's better than the very best. Does a better job. (laughs) Better than Mother Teresa. Better than on and on the list goes. All those guys. The Pharisees were the best. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, living by the Spirit, it did. It was better than the best. Better than the best. No comparison. Yes. Better than you will do apart from the Spirit. The Spirit will do the job better than you will apart from the Spirit. I'm being personal now. I'm talking to you. You will be better if you rely on the Spirit. That's what this whole Bible has been showing us from the Old Testament types and shadows of it, from the Old Testament word pictures of it, right through to the Gospels where where Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler and all the way into the epistles. It's all been saying and pointing to the same conclusion. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's the moral to the story of the Bible. Abide in Jesus and not trust in your own human capacity, capabilities, whatever you want to talk about on the human side. Don't do that. Amen. We can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Exactly. The Bible falls in between those two bookmarks. It sure does. It sure does. So with this revelation in mind, the revelation that we should rely on the Spirit because that's what Paul taught everywhere in every church, a way of life in Christ Jesus. And we're seeing that the Bible is just saying it as loudly as it can. Use the Spirit, use the Spirit. And it doesn't seem to be so loud Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on TV or the radio. But 
the Bible is yelling at the top of its lungs, use the spirit, use the spirit. That's the whole moral to the Bible and every page goes that way. So with that in mind, I pray that you receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can see what the Bible is pointing to, where it's trying to move us to, to a life and a dependency on Christ. I'm praying, Lord, I'm praying hard that you let us all, myself included, take deeper root in this idea about living the Christian life by Christ's power. Living the Christian life by Jesus' power. I just want to take root in that one thought, and I want all my brothers and sisters to take root in it as well, Father. Allow them to be planted like a tree near the river and live the life that they always wanted to live and be the Christian that they always wanted to be. That's what we're here at Guardian's Grace for, is to point you in that direction so that you can live the life that you want to. So, amen. 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 Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Guard Dog Steve. Yes, yes. And also, you wanted to uh, been in touch with our Facebook guy. Yes, yes. I, I want to thank everybody out there in the audience because I've noticed that the little icon for share is show, showing like 29 shares and 40 shares and 60 shares. It seems like what we've been praying for is beginning to happen. People are telling other people and sharing the, the podcast or the Facebook page with the people that they know. And that's exactly what we want. It's the only thing that'll make this ministry grow is sharing the good word. That's, that's what Jesus told the disciples to do. Go out there and sow your seed in the morning and sow your seed at night. And I see where there's been a little seed sowing going on and I'm so grateful for it. I just, it, it overwhelms me how grateful I am. I, want, I was so happy when I saw those share buttons showing some better numbers than they used to. I pray that each and every one of you will share this podcast and Facebook page with as many people as you can, or even the webpage. But share, 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 meaning so, so, so. So how do we get on the webpage again, Guard Dog Steve? Uh, let's see, you can just simply hit guardinggrace.com. It's very, very simple. God let us put the perfect words together as the URL for our, our webpage. Once you go to the webpage, it'll take you to the Facebook page. It'll take you to where everything is going on. And eventually it'll take you to where we answer questions and we have a library and all that stuff. But it's coming slow because we're both working full time and it just makes it slow. It just makes it slow. I wish we weren't working all 
full-time because we would do these things and they're the things that we love to do, we would be putting out some material. Just can't get my wife to get a second job. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Okay, but with that in mind, you guys, let us just say we love you. Good night. Good night, you guys. We love you. Thank you.